Newsweek critic David Anson calls this film a huge party cake of a movie with too much frosting. After the first delicious bite, sugar shock sets in. Hal Hinson of the Washington Post calls it big, splashy, energetic, one-size-fits-all Hollywood entertainment. And Letterboxd user Daniel Soros says it's one of those rare cinematic curiosities where you can tell instantly how old someone was when they first saw the film based upon their reaction to it today. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we decide the fate of Hook. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhoods Podcast. Bangarang, Starfighters! Bangarang, bangarang! Rufio, Rufio, Rufio! <laughs> hey, welcome to Ruined Childhoods, where we make references to the movie before we even mention what it is. You know, I feel like Hook is one that, at least for my generation uh you know i was born in 83 like for my like specific age range everybody has this movie playing on repeat in their head at all times i think so it's definitely i i would say a a, a millennials classic if you yeah know. yeah for sure uh you know it's it's just one of those where it came just at the right time for so many of us where it gave us all of these like tasty morsels that we all that we all just absolutely go nuts for and it had like such an awesome cast for its time 1991 yeah Love so it. yeah and if we haven't mentioned first of all I'm Dan that's I know, John I know. we are just like childhoods. going right into this hello everybody it's so nice to be here to to have a little chat with my big brother Dan Dan you've got a birthday coming up I don't know what uh, it's going to be a few days after this drops. Yes. Yes. So, so yes, please honor me by listening. Well, you're listening to this already. So thank you. Thank you. I'm honored. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Dan, I I don't have anything that I wanted to mention about like news stuff or anything having to do with our last episode or anything. Do you have anything before we just like really get into hook? I, I guess I have a brief one more thing, and this just goes on like a – this was just kind of a, I don't know, thought tangent I went on the other day Oh, in, in thinking about Greece and okay. wondering <laughs> – was, I was I was watch, I was thinking about like Greece – I was thinking about Danny Zuko, and I was like – I was like, Greece takes place in Southern California – and oh, yeah. I was like, I, I was thinking, I was like, I, I would love a prequel about the Zuko family, like in Brooklyn. <laughs> well, how about just like the fact that there's this overwhelming uh, number of like Italian American kids in this one particular school in Los Angeles? Well, I, I mean, Zuko, it, well, I guess Stephanie and then Stephanie Zuccarelli. I mean, they're really the only like Sonny kind of has that Italian. They all talk, even like Kaniki, like they talk with this very like Brooklyn accent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They play it very, very Brooklyn. But I was I was thinking about triple. And maybe it's maybe it was like Saturday Night Fever was on the brain or something. And then, are, are you talking about doing like a, the many Saints of Rydell type of situation? <laughs> The many T-birds of right. Yeah. <laughs> little, little, little T-birds. Yeah. Except it would, you know, actually be about. Uh, oh, all right. Well, Danny Zuko. Um, yeah. I, we talked, we talked about many saints of Newark on the, did, did, did we? I was think that, that was off, off mic. That, that was off mic that we talked about many saints. Yeah. Of Newark. Anyway, I don't want to look, it's a current movie. I don't want to talk about it right now. So... There's one thing that I I did actually, now that we're thinking about it, wanted to bring up. Uh, you know, we talked about how there, for Space Camp, there is a reboot currently being written for Disney by Streeter Seidel, 
who was a writer on the new Home Alone reboot, Home Sweet Home Alone. And they released a trailer in the week between when we released that episode or when we recorded that episode of this one. And I got to say, it looks really good. I haven't seen the trailer, but I saw the like poster art for it. And I I thought to myself, I was like, this could be a reboot that works. <laughs> it's got a really good cast. And... Uh, I, it seems like it honors the original. Uh, the the guy who plays Buzz is in it, um, and it oh, shows his like Devin name Rettray. tag. This is McAllister. Oh, there you go. And I have, I yeah, have I met don't know. Devin Retray. Yes, have you? Oh, yeah. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. No, he was. I think friendly with. Um, I think friendly with my friend Lynn who was doing a show and I forget how he was in, he was involved because the cast of the show was all women. He wasn't in it, but uh, we were filming, like I was working with a crew that was filming the show. And so, yeah, I mean, I met, it wasn't like a, Oh, uh, Oh wow. You're buzz from home alone. It was just kind right. of like, a, Oh oh yeah. Hey, how you, I'm Dan. I'm, you know, how you doing? <laughs> That's yeah. It. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's how yeah. introductions tend to go. It was yeah, also uh, like on the job type thing. But anyway, yeah, it does look uh, I, I'm looking, yeah, check I'm out, the, check trailer. out the trailer. It looks like a lot of fun. It's got it's it, do, it has a really lovely cast. Um, yeah, check it out. But we're going to talk about Hook. Talking about Hook, John, why don't why don't we jump into that synopsis here? All right. Before I do a synopsis, okay. uh, I you know, of course, like if you don't know by now, here's the deal. This is inspired by and and loosely based on the story of Peter Pan, which is really the story of uh, Peter and Wendy is the name of the book, I believe, or Wendy and Peter. Um, and the I feel like a lot of people's memories about Peter Pan are memories of the Disney-fied version of Peter Pan. And it seems like this, even though it's not a Disney production, it's an Amblin and TriStar. Oh, boy. I saw the TriStar emblem coming up, and I was like, oh, Dan's so psyched right now watching this somewhere. And yeah, It is no insult to the movie. It is no insult at all to the movie to say that that was my favorite moment of watching it. But no, it definitely plays on the... You know, more children's version of what you know what happened. The the, the Disneyfied version, yeah. The, you know, um, that type of situation, and uh, yeah. So here's here's my synopsis, and, and this takes place at present day in 1991. Unaware of his legendary past, Peter Pan is now known as Peter Banning, an accountant turned lawyer and father of two who is about to make his debut of his wife's grandmother Wendy's charity for orphans. What makes Wendy special is the rumor is that she's the actual Wendy from the Peter Pan stories. One night in England, Peter's kids are visited in the night by Captain James Hook and brought to Never Never Land in an effort to lure Peter Pan back to pay for his crimes against the infamous pirate. Peter is visited by a magical entity who wants to help him find his kids, Phil Collins. After that, Tinkerbell comes to help Peter remember who he is so he can rescue his kids. Being a stubborn, selfish, and no-fun old man, he refuses to believe not only what she says, but her entire existence. That's when she takes things into her own hands and just knocks him out and schleps his ass back to Never Never Land. After seeing Hook threatening his children, Peter reveals himself, which is shocking for the legendary captain. When it becomes clear that Peter isn't the bangerang he used to be, Hook is bummed that he won't have the fight he's been hoping for. Tink makes a deal with Hook to give Peter three days to find his crow or else he forfeits. Peter is brought to the Lost Boys, most of whom were with Peter in the good old days. But now, Peter is just some middle-aged guy, and it's clear to the Lost Boys, especially their leader, Rufio. At that night's, quote, dinner, unquote, Peter and Rufio have an insult exchange that transforms Peter into a believer. He spends the next two days training and learning to fly. On one excursion to Taunt Hook, Peter sees his son Jack in an all-pirate baseball game, an activity that Peter famously misses at the beginning of the movie. He's so overcome with pride that he forgets his mission to steal Hook's hook. 
But after Jack hits a home run, he hears Hook call Jack, my Jack, and Peter is brought back into a shell of a panic. But after he is hit in the head by Jack's home run baseball, he disassociates and follows his shadow into a small hidden room under a tree. With help from Tink, he recognizes it as Wendy's room. After connecting a few dots, he is back to being the pan everyone in Neverland remembers. Now able to fly, he plays with the Lost Boys and wins respect of Rufio. For a bit, he has now forgotten about Peter Banning and the Banning kids, Jack and Maggie. Tink helps him snap out of it. He hatches a plan with the Lost Boys and they get to Captain Hook's ship just in time to prevent Jack from getting a hook ear piercing from the captain. They brawl and Peter reveals his true self to his kids. They all learn to appreciate each other more, and after taking care of Hook with help from a giant dead crocodile, they head back to London so that Phil Collins can sleep knowing justice has been served. So, and to that we say, Susudio. Susudio. I know, I was trying to see if there was like a Phil Collins song where it's like, you know, I could tie it in there. It's like... Uh, There's the something tonight. coming in the air tonight. It's yeah. Hook to take the kids. Well, that's what I was trying to think for like the beginning part of it. And I was like, eh, I don't know if I you know, really want to spend my time figuring out how to do Tink that. seems to have an invisible touch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> against so, all odds, Peter against becomes all odds, the right. Peter um, yeah. I got so excited. He, to- he, he arrives at Never Neverland. No jacket required. <laughs> You know what I noticed about this movie? It's a reverse Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> it's a reverse Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay. It's a it's like a reverse not a I kind of a reverse Mrs. Doubtfire, but it's it, it's like he's too serious. Like Peter Banning at the beginning of this movie is yeah. is like Sally Field in Mrs. Oh, Doubtfire. I see what you're saying. Ideal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. <laughs> on well, the machine no goes on the machine. <laughs> <laughs> I, this whole time this whole time uh, this, this whole, whole time <laughs> i i have to i have to take a brief tangent as i was directing uh directing a high school play version of the 39 steps and there's a there's like a couple of lines like this character has a couple of lines where they have to do that like they say the same thing twice oh, but it needs different yes. inflection and i was so on the verge of being like you know like do it sally field and yeah. and then i realized i was like that will go nowhere with this like 15 year old yeah. <laughs> Watch Soap Dish. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, oh, you know how Sally Field does that thing, right? Yeah. Oh, and she's so good at it. We love we love that Sally Field. We love Field, Sally Field. We? But anyway, she's not in this. Uh but no. yeah, I was I was thinking about it and I was like, how many movies does like how many in how many movies d- d- is there like this thing about like Robin Williams being a well, well, I, I'm thinking about it and I'm not like referencing anything at the moment, but this I wanna say this is among the first of his like chill like family movies. Because before this, yeah. I mean this is the same year as Fisher King, uh, yeah. as we mentioned in our Fisher King episode. But uh, you know, Good Morning Vietnam, like there are so many other movies where he was I mean, they were still like funny in, in no, but this stuff, like but Cadillac Man is not a family movie. Cadillac Man, yeah. And then after this, you know, we have things like Jack, and we have Mrs. Flubber. Doubtfire, Flubber. You know, the, uh, this is where we really get into family film Robin Williams. But it's interesting how many of these roles, because I, I wrote down in my notes, that Mrs. Doubtfire is what happens when Peter Pan comes to the real world and gets old, but doesn't actually grow up. And yeah. then Jack is what happens when he physically ages really fast, but mentally stays a, a <laughs> child, though in a yeah. more manic, medical condition type of way. I've never actually seen all of Jack. I've seen parts of it. So... Oh, you know, I don't think I've seen all of Jack, but uh, the his like friend in it is somebody who I went to college with, uh, which is just a bit of information. Oh. Uh, it was down, lived down the hall from me our freshman year. Um, but yeah, just looking at his filmography, it's like The World According to Garp, Moscow on the Hudson, Club Paradise, Good Morning Vietnam, Adventures of Baron Munchausen, Dead Poet Society, Cadillac Man, Awakenings. I, uh, I mean, a a brief appearance in Shakes the Clown, <laughs> which is as uh, despite the the clowniness, not for, for children, not a family for film, children. no, 
No, uh, Dead Again. And of course, Popeye would probably be the closest thing to a, a family film. Um, yeah. Even though I feel like it's b- most appreciated by adults, uh, it presents as a family film. Yeah, it makes me, I'm interested now. I'm I'm like kind of curious. Like I want to, I, I kind of want to watch Popeye with my, with uh, Chloe, my seven and a half year old. Oh yeah. I would be interested to see how a kid now looks at him. I mean, like I watched Popeye as a kid and like, yeah, well, I thought it same. was fine, but together. like you watch it now and you just can. <laughs> well, I watch it now and I watch it from the mindset of like, oh, it's the music of Harry Nilsson. It's Robert Altman. Uh, you know, it's Robert Williams first movie. Uh, Shelley Duvall like there's just so many other aspects of it that I see it for now as opposed to when I was a kid and there's certain things I remember from it some of the songs and some of the mannerisms that Robin Williams or Shelley Duvall I would had. gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today yeah. and Bill it's Irwin wonderful. is in it so that's Bill fun Bill Irwin is in it yes but so so yeah so now he, so this is now in this is 11 years after Popeye but that's 30 yeah. years ago from now I know and uh yeah. and, and yeah when so was and Hook we, released December, December 91 okay. so we're we're creeping up on the uh the anniversary and and this was one that we both saw uh at the same time for the first time did we this was a family christmas movie for us oh i i mean here's the thing is like i knew that i had to have seen this in the theater like this is just one of those movies at that time in my life where it's like there's no way i didn't see this in the theater we saw it at the New Park Cinemas in Roselle Park, New Jersey, and <laughs> it was a family. It was a family outing, and I I think this movie was like the first time where our father really uh, expressed his like dislike of going to kids movies, <laughs> where there uh, will be kids in the audience. <laughs> he likes Dustin Hoffman. Come on. Well, no, I think that, and I think had it not been for Dustin Hoffman in the movie, I don't think we, like, I think we, like, we might have told him it was a graduate uh, sequel and got him to yeah, go right. that way. <laughs> yeah, like he would have believed children that this yeah. was a graduate sequel. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. But yeah, I remember, so we saw it, yeah, we saw it together. And, you know, it's like, you're you're right when you're, at, like, at that age. I mean, I even, I remember really enjoying it uh, as a kid, uh-huh. being, being a little bit older. But I would imagine being, um, you know, what, eight? Were you eight? Uh-huh. You, were, you were eight when yeah. that came out? Eight and a half? Yep. Like, that's the sweet spot for Hook, I think. Cause that's, I think so, yeah. It's like approximately the age of, of Jack, played by... Uh, 1990, 91 hit machine, Charlie Corsmo. Yeah. You know, he, he came in there, did Dick Tracy. He was in this, uh, he was in what What about About Bob? Bob? And then he was like, peace, I'm going to become a lawyer. And then then he did, well, he did can't hardly wait. He was really good in can't hardly wait. Hardly wait. That's right. That's right. That's right. I really liked him in that. I mean, yeah, he's in just a few movies and they're all like hits, man. It's him. I mean, and Dick Tracy, if you would call it that, but you know, it's him and John Cazale, its... they're the two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Charlie <laughs> and Cormo James Dean. and James Dean. Uh, yeah, for he he left the game under different circumstances. Um, well, so did but anyway. So did John Cazale. But so did John Cazale, right? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, you know, and uh, the girl who played Maggie was totally fine. I feel like that character was you know, a little ignored to to say the least. It's just kind of like she's there and sings oh, a song she did. and then she's out. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, she, she's there. She sings the song. Oh, the, yeah, that song. I keep hearing, so like, it's funny because I listen, I hear the music in this movie. I hear that song and I'm like, oh man, too bad John Williams already wrote somewhere in my memory like the year before for Home Alone. And oh, yeah. I hear a lot of the music and I was like, oh, these are like the rough drafts of his Harry Potter score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah. You know, it, the thing about Hook is like it's perfectly enjoyable. And I think that you have to put yourself into like the 1991 mindset to be able to appreciate it. Otherwise, you're just going to be like looking at all the the flaws. Uh, I don't know. And, and also it's like. 
it's one of those movies where it is trying to accomplish something and uh, I don't know. It seems like the focus got like shifted and it's like they're trying to cram too much stuff in and I don't know. Things just seem a little unnecessary. Like I felt like the whole Tinkerbell subplot I was like, we have Julia Roberts. We need to just like cram in a bunch of Julia Roberts stuff. And, uh, and I felt like, I I never, even, I I remember even like as a kid watching it, I never felt like she was right for the role. Yeah. She was a big name at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of, uh, I guess like some ba- like backstage news like she was I think going through a divorce. She the, uh, her tw- her engagement to Kiefer Sutherland had just Kiefer! gotten has just gotten broken. Jiminy, um, yeah. So I think that that was the deal with that, and like she was oh, fresh off yeah. of that. Allegedly, whatever. I don't know the deal the deal with that, but yeah, no. So, and then and it was like Stephen like. Steven Spielberg, you know, like she got that like difficult reputation, which I think has kind of been amended uh, right. to be like, yeah. oh, yeah, she was like 23 years old and going through like the 23 years old, like one of the biggest stars on the planet all of a sudden out of nowhere. Um, I mean, I guess not out of nowhere by this point, man, I think she had two Oscar nominations under her belt. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, couldn't have been easy to be Julia Roberts. Like, you know, just living your life. No, and then you're playing this part that's like I I mean, I imagine a lot of her performance was done in front of like a blue screen and Yeah. And and then, or which on is then, sets with uh like gigantic, you know, prop pieces. Yeah. Yeah. So she's yeah, it, yeah, it's not the best. It's it's definitely more of a hey, we can get a big star in this movie. We can put Julia Roberts in this movie, and and that right. was pretty well, much it. Okay, you look at the cast of this movie. Charlie Corsmo aside, clearly Robin Williams doing great at the time. Dustin Hoffman clearly doing great at the time. Julia Roberts, Bob Hoskins, I, and you've got uh, Maggie Smith who they've aged up so much that it's like you look at her now and it's like she looks better now than she did in the makeup like from she then looks the same yeah i know and it's like incredible she's so good um oh, she's and then great. you have those cameos you got phil collins and glenn close and david, uh, crosby. david crosby cross yeah, has a and- cross has a few nice moments in this movie like yes he does yeah he's he's the hurdy gurdy pirate <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I It seemed to me like the kind of movie that was made to be able to just like shovel in a bunch of money using like a, a familiar IP and, uh, you know, a little gimmick, you know, Peter. So very Pan, much ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah, totally. But it's like there's something so weird about the fact that he has completely forgotten about this like character defining aspect of his past (laughs) like what is it about leaving never neverland that makes you completely forget about who you are or going to never neverland and staying there for an extended period of time because that's what seems. yeah i think the rules so that's one thing that that's a bit fuzzy uh, in this movie is like the rules of how things work. So like, okay, do kids like when kids end up going to never, Neverland, do they age to a certain point and then they stop because are they like, they? so from my understanding, <clears throat> I'm not clearing my throat to like for dramatic effect from my understanding. And Dan, have you read the original book? I have not. Neither have I. But from my understanding, the deal is that Peter Pan is this boy, or Peter, whatever, is this boy who gets to be about like puberty age and is about to become like, go from like child to young adult and doesn't want to become an adult. So 
goes to this land and goes to this place in order to not have to deal with growing up. And so I get the impression that the rule of Neverland is that you is that you just kind of get there and you stop at that time. But what's weird is that he goes there as a baby. So it's like, does he just go back to the real world enough times to age a little bit and then go back? Like, I, yeah, it's a little unclear as to like exactly what the deal is. I mean, also like what's up with all the pirates there? Like, how did they get there? And if they're there, like, do they age? And what's the, like, what's the deal with that? Yeah. Well, another thing is like, you know, the, the character of Jack, Peter Pan's son, at a certain point, he like forgets who his father is and like where his home is. And he is like, no, Captain Hook is my dad. Like, well, he's but convinced Peter also it. has that. He also like kind of forgets. Right. No, totally. Yeah. So but they don't they don't really establish it. It's not established like in Back to the Future where it's like, oh, if this doesn't happen, your sister's going to disappear from the photo. Well, and that's where Tinkerbell would have come in really handy is instead of having this whole thing where she like becomes a big person and kisses him and whatever. And there's all this weirdness uh, for her to act as the the explainer of everything. Exposition. Just be like, yeah, exactly. We need exactly. some big trouble in little China style exposition. We need we need uh Grace somebody Law. Right. I'm just thinking of uh, you know, Steven Seagal in Under Siege explaining oh. everything to Erica Alaniac, like, <laughs> so this is what this is, because you know, you're stupid. You have no idea what's going on. So I'm just gonna explain everything to you. And uh yeah, so we need somebody just to like explain how this place works like what exactly are the mechanics of this world that make your brain just turn to mush and how come maggie is unaffected like she is it just the fact that she's been like ignored the whole movie aside from like her little song like i don't know what's going on no i think that's kind of and then when they come back from never never land he's all just like the windows stay open and they you know gives toodles his marbles back and so on and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely right. And and you're right where if, if you watch it from the mindset of an adult in 2021, that's kind of going to be, that's kind of what you've, you're going to focus on. Like I definitely, yeah. I, I definitely was like the whole Tinkerbell, like going to full size and like, that's her wish. It, her one wish for herself is that she could like become full size and, and kiss Peter and just like I don't know what the actual age difference between Julia Roberts and Robin Williams was but I don't know there was just something really off about it yeah oh 100% yeah Yeah. so yeah and I wasn't sure I wasn't sure how much of the history was was in the books but I I actually want to go back and talk about uh give it like uh, some props to Bob Hoskins who I feel like Bob Hoskins is he was delightful in terms of performances that's my favorite one He's great. I always loved that scene where like he's almost just like, oh, no, everything is fucked. I better take as much as I can grab and get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. And, 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 in and fact, when like, he's in the baseball scene when he's pitching, like he really oh, hams it up. I love he's, it. Bob Hoskins is going all out in this. And it it also like it's one of those elements that really called back the the Disney Peter Pan yeah, the the because like he's the, very cartoonish. The clumsy groveling Smee was just like that to me. Called back the the Disney Peter Pan. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was good. I think Dustin Hoffman uh, was really good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dustin Hoffman is great. Such a memorable performance, and I feel like he's one of those actors where. Uh, you know, you you see him a lot and you feel like he's taking himself very, very seriously. Uh, even when he's doing like comedic roles. I mean, if you'd count Tootsie as like a comedic role, like I oh, feel like Fockers. Dustin Hoffman. Well, right. But that's also <laughs> much, much later on. And no, yeah, uh, yeah. but I feel like in something like this, it's like, oh, he's just straight up having fun. 
and really milking this performance because that's what this performance needs needs to be done. Like that's how it's supposed to go. Right. And it's, it, 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 it's, it's not a, it's, it's an out of type uh, char- character for him. It's yeah. not. And, and it's funny because I think like, I, I remember reading that when the, the script kind of was first coming around into existence, he was the first choice for, for Huck. Yeah. And this was like, I think like not long after Tootsie that it started huh. though. There were though, though I, I also read David Bowie was considered, uh, just as Michael Jackson was interested in playing Peter, though I I I don't see how that would have like the Peter Banning part. Like I can't I uh-huh. like I can't see Michael Jackson as like a no, but I mean, lawyer. <laughs> right, totally. But you know, knowing how Michael Jackson had this Peter Pan obsession, you know how much this deal means to me. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, well, Dan, did you know that, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg was, you know, originally the one that was going to be doing this at the beginning. And then uh, when he got busy, it ended up going to, do you know, which director? Was it going to be Scorsese? Nick Castle. Oh, Nick Castle. Yes. Starfighter. Yes. 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 No, I'm sorry. I was thinking about Steven Spielberg was going to direct Cape Fear. And oh. and it was because Cape Fear is an Amblin production, uh, is it? the ni- the nineteen ninety one Cape Fear, and yeah, I think Spielberg left uh, Cape Fear and kind of I guess asked Scorsese to do it, uh, and and went and did Hook, and I think the world is a better place for that. So I I, I agree. I mean, yeah, a a Spielberg Cape Fear. I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it just would have it, it, it would have been like a less I I don't want to say less stylized because it's not like Spielberg doesn't have style. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like, well, yeah, Cape Fear yeah. is a is one. Of, I, 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 I have a I have I feel very uh, I'm very fond of Cape Fear. I think that Cape Fear is excellent. I watched it not too long ago. It was uh, it's a it's a great film. It is. Highly uh, and I also want to mention that I. Uh, uh, Joseph Mazzello, uh, the the kid from Jurassic Park, was considered for the role of Jack in this. And Steven Spielberg said, like, you know what? You didn't get the part, but I have you in mind for something else. Jurassic Park. And the world is better for it. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I heard that that originally in the role of the police officer was Peter Gabriel. And then he left and, and <laughs> all kidding, kidding, oh, kidding. Genesis humor. If, if you Genesis understand humor. the humor, you get the genesis of that joke. Uh, yeah. Oh, boy. Well, uh, I'm going to exodus us over to another part of the show. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, so, Dan, I. Uh, I don't know, like when when we brought up the idea of doing this movie for this episode, I felt like you seemed a little reluctant. And I'm wondering if perhaps this isn't really a movie that speaks to you. <laughs> what? That it is that it isn't a movie that speaks to me? Well, you know, I feel like for people born in my very specific, like, you know, date range it's a more iconic film it's more of a movie that like you know was a marker for our generation whereas you are a few years older than i am and i feel like for you this might have been more of like a "Eh, it's for little kids kind of movie uh i don't i didn't feel that way i didn't feel i i all right Partially, yes. Partially, yes. And partially, no. Like, there were some things in it that I just always felt I was like, well, that's just in there to make kids chuckle. Like, the whatever crazy, like, Nickelodeon color food that they imagine when they're yeah. having their. By the way, do they just not eat? Do they just imagine food? Or I, I see, there we go. Uh, more logic. But I, yeah, I, there were, there were some aspects that I did feel were too much uh not not just because they were geared like geared towards kids but because they were 
childlike. I mean, or they were, there was no explanation and there was no, it's like, all right, kids aren't going to like ask questions or look for the logic. Well, I suppose that also goes with the spirit of the movie in the sense that for those who live in Neverland, it's all about using your imagination. And uh, I think that there's the suspension of disbelief that needs to come into play for the audience in order to be able to watch the movie without like getting in your own way of enjoying it, which when you are an eight year old there, there is no part of you that's getting in the way because you're just, you're all there. You're all in already. No, honestly, I think my reluctance uh, to, to cover this movie came mostly from just that, like, all right, I remember seeing this as a kid uh, or when I was, you know, younger, like early, I think I was like 14 when this mm-hmm. came out and and I remember really liking it. And I just remember thinking, like, whenever the last time was I tried to watch it, I just didn't it didn't have that same thing for me. So I think I was kind of like, uh, I don't want to watch a movie that I really enjoyed when I was younger and just kind of sit here and tear it apart, which was not my experience while watching it. Uh-huh. Well, I feel like there's uh, a very specific marker for people in my age range. Uh, I'd say like my age and a couple of years before and a couple of years after where I, the name Rufio strikes a certain chord, uh, such to the point that I just named my new puppy Rufio. And I, I'm wondering what your take is on the character of Rufio. What's interesting is that's actually a character that I think I had more qualms with, uh, (laughs) when I was younger. Really? And less, uh, less so now. Well, it's interesting because it's like this is a character that exists in the Never Neverland universe that uh, is brand new. Whereas like, you know, Peter's kids, of course, they're new to the story. But like for there to be a new main character in this land of make-believe is kind of like a, a more special thing. And he's like very, you know, 90s out, red, spiky crazy hair and you know he rides along this crazy wind sail track thing i don't know yeah and it's it's funny because very 90s but also almost more like two 2000s like extreme sports you know like well dying your hair different colors (laughs) right i mean you know it's like very like gleaming the cube uh like every character combined in Gleaming the Cube, probably. And uh, I, I don't know. It's there's definitely like an element of punk rock to it. Not that he is very punk rock himself, but, you know, it's it's more of like an edgy type of um, uh, character that you would see played by, brilliantly by Dante Bosco. Mm-hmm. Mad respect. Yeah. And what I th- what I was thinking about the character this time was, and this is where kind of analyzing it actually m- improved uh, improved it was thinking about how well. First of all, all the other lost boys are there. How are they getting there? Uh, it, you know, if Peter was taken to Never Neverland as as a baby, which it's very it's kind of similar to the elf setup. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Um, but he just the the idea that like he can't be the only one i don't get why he's the only one who flies but that's right yeah i don't think that's worth uh delving into right now but back we don't to know Ru- the rules but going back to rufio uh i i thought that it was kind of like a logical addition though rufio was also the one who made me wonder like how like at what point like how long has he been in neverland what like did he come to neverland at that age which seems like a bit old cuz he's what like 14 15 yeah, the actor was 16 also, when he played him there are some other like older kids there but they're kind of in the background just like smoking cigarettes or whatever. Like <laughs> it's really the younger cigarettes. kids who are like really ruling the the burnouts you know, the of lost the boys. lost boys. Yeah. yeah. They're they're just over it. They're uh, the ones who grow up but, to become pirates. Yeah. 
Well, so I uh, I want to play just a clip. You know, we're talking about this scene where uh, he, he needs to use his imagination in order to see this Nickelodeon food. And uh, we get a little bit of a back and forth between between Peter and Rufio. What's the deal? Where's the real food? If you can't imagine yourself being Peter Pan, you won't be Peter Pan, so eat up. Eat what? There's nothing here. Gandhi ate more than this. Don't you remember? This used to be your favorite game. Forget the games. I want some real food. I want steak. I want eggs. I want a cup of coffee. You can't. Eat your heart out, you prinkled, wrinkled, fat cat. You're a very ill-mannered young man. You're you know a that? slug and worm. Come on. You can do better than that. I believe you're encouraging this. Yeah, 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 show me your fastball dust brain, you paunchy sag bottom puke pot. You are a very poor role model for these kids, you know that? I bet you don't even have a fourth grade reading level. Hemorrhoidal suck navel. Well, maybe a fifth grade reading level. Boil dripping, beef fart sniffing, bubble butt. Someone has a severe caca mouth. Do you know that? You are a fart factory. Slug slime, sack of rat guts, and cat vomit. Cheesy scab picked, pimple squeezing, finger bandage. A week old maggot burger with everything on it and flies on the side. <laughs> Substitute chemistry teacher? Come on, Rubio, hit a mat. Mung tongue? Math tutor? Pinhead? Prison barber. Mother lover. Nearsighted gynecologist. In your face, camel cake. In your rear, cow derriere. Lying, crying, spying, prying, ultra pig. You lewd, crude, rude, bag of pre-chewed food, dude. Measurate, Peter! You man! Stupid, stupid man! Rufio, if I'm a maggot burger, why don't you just eat me? You two-toned, zebra-headed, slime-coated, pimple-farming, paramecium brain, munching on your own mucus, suffering from Peter Pan envy. What's a paramecium brain? I'll tell you what a paramecium is. That's a paramecium. It's a one-celled critter with no brain that can't fly. Don't mess with me, man. I'm a lawyer. Nearsighted gynecologist. How did they get that one in there? I... <laughs> I I mean, with the help of a nearsighted gynecologist, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, who gave that one the green light to to keep that one in? That's kind of incredible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I, who knows how many of those were scripted and how many of them Robin Williams just came up with? Right, but somebody did edit this movie, like you know, uh, there there could have been somebody that would being like, "Hey, this is for kids," maybe not nearsighted gynecologist yeah but it's also it's not like he said pussy doctor i mean <laughs> that's true that's like true. he did say uh you know which by the way and i'm only saying this because we were we just had it on upstairs but like the eddie murphy dr doolittle does have huh. a line where an animal calls a tiger a big pussy so <laughs> gotcha okay it's kind of like as long as the so I think like the nearsighted gynecologist, it's like you've got the like actual name of a type of doctor and a visual condition. So fair enough. Fair enough. Nothing, n- nothing too dirty there. Yeah. So that so that's the scene where Peter kind of like takes his first like turn into, you know, becoming more of himself, uh, you know, letting his true self be shown. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I, I guess the only thing that I really want to figure out is like, is this movie in its own worthy of a reflection of like a prequel, sequel, reboot or remake, or because it's kind of its own special outlier in a pre-existing intellectual property does it have the right to have any kind of treatment like that done to it? Oh, I, I mean, does it have the right to like, does it stand enough on its own? I think that the idea of Peter Pan and this, they, they set up really, I think this, they set up really nicely is, uh, 
the relationship between Peter and Wendy and just the, the balance between growing up and not, and it's like what I, I don't know that they need to spend more time on it, but the whole idea of Wendy deciding to grow up, making the choice to grow Uh up and, uh, and get, get married and and have kids and then that her granddaughter uh oh another there's another uh appearance Gwyneth Paltrow. oh wait Gwyneth Paltrow, Paltrow is young Maggie is young, young Maggie Smith sorry she, young Maggie is Smith young right Wendy. she's young young Wendy right so uh but the whole the setup of that and then how Peter uh sees Wendy's granddaughter and and sexually assaults her sexually assaults her in her sleep uh, it, not cool, Peter. It's should have yeah. just given her the thimble, and yep, that's that's it. Uh, but I think that, that like that setup is 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 interesting enough. I think that focusing on the story of Peter Pan growing up is uh. I I mean I think it's worth kind of like including like I don't know who decides what's canon or not in like the right the the Peter Pan franchise yeah I mean also you've got like this is a a TriStar and Amblin production and I don't know if, like necessary I mean there's been so many Peter Pan movies made there's yeah. one with Jason Isaacs as as Captain Hook. Uh, right, Pan. Jer- Jeremy Sumter. Oh, there's Pan with with Hugh Jackman. Did you see that one? No, that was the I one think with I Hugh saw Jackman the one, as Hook. Oh, I saw the one with uh, Jason Isaacs as uh, as Captain Hook. So that one was just called Peter Pan. That one I saw. That one was called Peter Pan. Yeah, right. that was like 2003, maybe something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely yeah. uh, around there. Yeah, uh, Jason Isaacs is fantastic Captain Hook. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. What a fun character. Yeah. No, there were lots of actors that I, 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 I was thinking about like who are different actors that could have played Hook at the time. Not that I had a problem with, uh, with Dustin Hoffman's performance, but I was like, oh man, a Frank Langella Captain Hook. Ooh. Or oh, Frank Langella. A Daniel Day Lewis Captain Hook, which I mean could have happened then and could happen now. Uh I would love to see like a Paul Thomas Anderson uh uh Peter Pan story. Luis Guzman as, as me. Hey, I could see that. Yeah, I mean yeah. I don't yeah, I mean uh but that would be yeah, so I don't know. I was just I was thinking about different uh different actors that could have played Hook, though, though, like I said, Dustin Hoffman is fine. Anyway, back to your question. Uh, I think assuming that like we can accept the Peter Banning story as like the logical extension. Yeah, well, right. And fully acknowledging the passing of Robin Williams and. uh, Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I I do I I do think that there I, I. I don't think that this is something that's just going to that should just be locked in. A, 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 I mean, I do think it's something that should be locked in a time capsule because I would love to see more original works. But uh, I do think that there is potential in using it <laughs> to, you know, well, cr- what were you thinking? Oh, I had I had quite a few thoughts here um (laughs) so i mean i don't know i was just kind of like throwing a bunch right now first i should say that uh dante dante bosco Bosco. was involved in making a a rufio prequel and there's a seven there's a 17 minute short film out there from from uh a few years ago called bangarang and i think it kind of tells the story of how rufio ended up in in Neverland. So oh, interesting. I, and I was thinking about I was like that that could work a sequel in which a like you know somewhat middle-aged I don't know if we're, I would like a 35 40 year old Maggie uh kind of like ends up in just like things are not going well maybe she's traumatized from being neglected in the script but <laughs> 
uh, you know, she's like, she's got a lot going on and maybe it's like she has these memories of this place called Neverland and like she's in therapy and maybe the therapist is like, okay, so you know what? When you need to go to Neverland, go to Neverland. And where the therapist is seeing it as like a little like mindfulness exercise and then she actually ends up going to Neverland and like I maybe it's – I. I I mean, it would be hard to have like Rufio because uh, uh, Dante Bosco is certainly aged. So, well, also his character dies. Oh, yes. That that too. That too. Yeah. Yes. His character dies. Right. Spoiler, uh, sorry. Right. Uh, um, so but you could have where where Maggie ends up going to Neverland and maybe Jack has to uh, rescue her. Or maybe she doesn't need to be rescued. Maybe she just stays in Neverland until she's like, I've got my shit worked out. I can go back now. Like I kind have, of a, an adult version, but I, wh- okay. I, I have an idea that's, it's not the same as that. It's similar, but go on. Okay. All right. Cause that's not uh, the end of, of the, the idea train. I didn't Actually, think so. I need to, I need, I need to just scan through you. So another, um, Another possibility. So this is what I thought was like the most likely thing to happen is that Disney plus would eventually do like a live action version of the old musical version of Peter Pan. And then they could make like a a sequel or they could make a remake of Hook with like, I don't know, like fucking Paul Rudd as Peter Pan and like John C. Riley as Smee and Steve Coogan as Hook or something like that. Oh, Steve Coogan would be a great hook. I was like, Steve Coogan would be an awesome hook, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I was thinking about that. It's not what I would prefer, but I think the best, the I think the the one with the most potential, the idea with the most potential is to adapt Hook into a Broadway musical. Okay. I see this as, I mean, look, like the big family Broadway musicals are like, those are almost always hits. And this really gives you the opportunity to have some big, impressive set pieces. It was going to be a musical at one point, the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, And, but I like you could have, I think that there, it's re- it would be pretty easy to fit songs into this and stage it as a musical. And you know what? In that musical, maybe you don't have to have Tinkerbell make out with Peter Pan. Uh, right. Like, you know, you, you could kind of fix some things, but also have like a fun, a fun kind of spectacle Broadway musical. And a lot of like, think about the scene we just listened to. Imagine that as as a song. Oh, that'd be so great. Like the insults go back and forth. It could be called Bangarang. And... <laughs> right. Yeah. Why Why not uh, give give Hook some song or use Phil Collins songs there? Just like... <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know, but I, that was in thinking about all these different ideas and the, the different possibilities, I think a, a musical version of Hook, because also it, it's going to appeal to the generation of parents of kids who totally. would want to go see this. Totally. AKA at your like your generation, my yes. generation as well. But I mean, come on, like you said, it's beloved among People of that, you know, born in the early 1980s. Now, you know, a lot of your generation has the the income to to go see a Broadway musical when (laughs) now with all this avocado toast reading. (laughs) Well, you know what, you know, is you have to make choices as a grown up, which is what they learn in this movie. Uh, that's so, absolutely true. And you know what, John? Yeah. You know what? Peter Peter Banning would choose the avocado toast, but Peter Pan would go to the musical. There you go. So, uh, what do, so what do you want? Yeah, do like with I this? mentioned. Yeah, like I mentioned, I uh, I had one that was kind of similar <laughs> to to your second idea involving uh, Maggie and therapy. So, all right, here's the deal. We don't really know what happened to Captain Hook at the end of this. Spoiler alert. All we know is that this crocodile fell on him and then he just disappeared. 
and we are to assume that he's been eaten by this dead crocodile. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Thank it's you for bringing assumed. that up. Yeah. Very unclear. <laughs> it's very unclear. So let's say that he was brought back to the real world. And at this point, he's forgotten about being Captain Hook, just like Peter Banning forgot about being Peter Pan. Because I guess that's how the rules work with Neverland. Uh, so now he's just some old guy going by the name James Hooks, I'm thinking, uh, who claims to be Captain Hook, but nobody believes him. It's like there's this thing in his mind where he's like, I remember sailing, blah, 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 with Smee and da, 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 da whatever, and fighting Peter Pan. Um, and then enter Jack Banning a psychologist who's doing a study about the mental health impact of becoming an orphan at a young age, you know, inspired by the family, uh, you know, the, the orphanage charities and stuff like that. Uh, so in doing his work, he encounters James at one of his clinics and Jack is startled, but he doesn't think in a million years that it's actually Captain Hook. But for some reason, he just like can't get him out of his mind. Um, and then after conducting some visits with him, he starts to believe that it's actually really him. And then remembering his plight to reconnect with in defeat Peter Pan 30 years earlier, Hook, uh, like he tries to help him out and everything. But uh, since his father, who Jack secretly knows as Peter Pan, has passed away, uh, he works with his sister, Maggie, to like recreate a Neverland to help this old man kind of like live out the rest of his life with some meaning and not being told just that he's crazy. And uh, so in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a Synecdoche, New York situation where like, (laughs) I I was just going to ask, I I was just going to (laughs) ask. So, uh, you know, Dustin Hoffman still as, uh, as James or whatever, uh, playing Jack Topher Grace. Okay. Because, yeah, because, let I mean, think about it. He could realistically be the grown-up version of Charlie Cosmo. Um, and then for Maggie, I was thinking Abby Jacobson. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Took me a moment there. But okay. Yeah. All right. So interesting. So again, kind of going to the more psychological drama. Yeah. It's kind of it's, the way I see it is like Synecdoche, New York meets Awakenings. Oh, okay. Oh, so yeah. With a little nod to Robin Williams. A little little nod there to Robin Williams. Uh, So in this version, would Jack and Maggie remember Neverland? I think so. I feel like there would be enough family... like bonding over this to like remind each other about this. I guess they would have the books. Or the books. Well, the Peter Pan books to well just, right like, but oh, the, you know remembering their own experiences you know i think that you know together they would be reminding each other enough about it i mean maybe it's the kind of thing where it's like at this point they're like did that really happen or was that just like you know something that we made up or you know i mean it could also be that having gone through you know the training to be a psychiatrist jack right. has himself gone through a certain amount of, of like therapy and, you know, maybe he found that in his subconscious. So that's, and then like, so what did they just like rent to get a warehouse and. Yeah. Well, I mean, they buy the sets from from hook on eBay. We know that they come from money. Yes. They buy the sets from, yeah, because they still exist. That's for (laughs) sure. Um, Yeah. So they, I mean, they, they could hire also... they hire Dante Bosco to reprise his role as uh, Rufio. <laughs> oh, that's that's uh, that's funny. What else does that? Was there a movie? Um, you ever see the movie Nurse Betty? No, because I'm. I feel like there was a movie where like uh, no, never mind. I'm not right about it. I feel like in that movie Nurse Betty. Like Renee Zellweger played a nurse who was obsessed. She she was obsessed with this uh, soap opera, and yeah. But I, I never saw it, but I remember it yeah. existing. Never mind. I don't think that I, I I don't think it's as it's similar. But yeah, the Synecdoche, New York thing definitely 
that idea kind of jumped out at me with that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. All so, right. No, anyway, cool. um, you know, it, it's just like they, they feel pity for this guy. And even though they know the truth, you know, they want to be able to, you know, help him in a way that isn't going to hurt anybody. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, I guess you could finally like know and have, have hook. Yeah. Because die at the end. Uh, well, yeah. Well, well also just like, here's the thing is it's like to do another Peter Pan, like rehashing type of situation. It's just like how many times and how many different ways can you take this story and like bend it around and it's like, why not just build off of this alternate version that's beloved and, yeah. you know, find a new way to kind of work with it. And also it's like, it wouldn't be for kids because like Hook now, I mean, I guess kids could enjoy Hook now, but like, I'm sure that it would feel really dated. And uh, also it's just like, it it was its own special thing. And the people who remember this movie and enjoyed it then would be the ones to enjoy this kind of like, you know, mind twisty, you know, psychological, not so much drama, but like fantasy type of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's really, it, it's a really interesting concept. And well, also just kind of thinking of the idea of how do you find your Neverland in reality and how you know yeah. what do we all what do like where like it's kind of like acknowledging like we all need our fantasies and we need yeah. outlets for those well, fantasies yeah you know and, and i think that one of the things about hook that as watching it as an adult i was thinking about was like maybe that maybe this is just a place that we go to in our minds and it's like the idea is that we you know there is no actual real place like this isn't like really happening but then at the end when toodles starts flying it's like oh no it's just real like well, yeah that's you know, there's no thing. there's no attempt to keep you guessing but there, there is that that is another thing that they're wishy-washy on in in the movie because at the end when he like Peter kind of like stands up it like it's like oh what did he fall out or uh but I guess yeah it's yeah. it's real because Jack and Maggie are kidnapped and like they're right and and the and the wall is all messed up and there's like a giant dagger with a crazy calligraphy note on the on the door oh yeah, yeah really nicely written note wonderful penmanship that james hook and that's why you always leave a note <laughs> uh dan any more thoughts or should we just move on to talk about our next episode uh no i think we could uh, oh you know who's another uh possible like just another actor who i was like oh i'd love to see them play captain hook john malkovich <laughs> oh john malkovich would be great I would, uh i was I, thinking if there was to be a straight up like uh remake a good actor for peter could be jack black because i was thinking about like you know Robin Williams had a very like special and unique style of humor and uh, way of speaking and way of being physical. And I'm thinking about people nowadays who really have their own special way of being. And Jack Black sticks out to me more than anybody. You know, he kind of exists in his own special category of person. And, uh, you know, the things that he can do with his voice and the things that he can do with his you know movement physicality uh, you know if you yeah. just watch the stuff that if you watch the stuff that he does on just like social media like on tiktok or instagram it's just like oh he is just having the time of his life making bananas stuff and it's so good and yeah, so like fun. i could see him really enjoying that and it's like, you know, he does, he's been doing children's movies, you know, it's in the Jumanji movies and Gulliver's uh, Travels, you know, he's been doing the, 
Well, uh, yeah, he's been doing it for a long time. So, yeah. School, uh, I mean, School, School of, of Rock, Rock if you which consider that one. I don't know that I would consider it like a, a movie, like a kids movie for like young kids. School of Rock, but definitely no. like your your tweens. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, I enjoy yeah. School of Rock. <laughs> great movie. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So they made that, a I, Broadway show out of it. You know. There you go. Exactly. So it, and and perhaps yeah. that is what the future holds for. Actually, that that is probably the most likely thing is that there will be a Broadway musical of Hook, and it'll be a huge like spectacular uh stage spectacular. So. Well, you know, uh talking about musicals, let's oh. talk about our next episode. Oh, our next episode. So for our next episode, we are going to be talking about 1956's uh post-Civil War uh western/drama/musical Love Me Tender starring Elvis Presley. Elvis oh will be entering the podcast. Yeah, our first time talking about Elvis. Uh, famously learned to dance from Forrest Gump. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Um, this movie sounds completely bonkers. And I am excited to uh, to check it out. It's my, f- my first Elvis movie to watch. Mine as well. I'm excited. to. It's funny because we've both seen like Top Secret a thousand times, which kind of parodies yeah. some of the Elvis movies. And now we're we're jumping into the Elvis neek, filmography. Neek. Yep. Nick Rivers. Uh, Nick Rivers. So everybody, uh, shoot us an email, ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear your thoughts about these movies. Uh, and... Visit our link tree, which is in this episode's description, and you'll be able to follow all of our social media stuff and check out our our T Public store for all of our cool merch. And uh, yeah, I don't know, Dan. Anything else? Hey, the holidays are coming. Don't neglect that Jesse Plemons fan in your life. Celebrate Oscar Isaac's <laughs> like thousand new things that he's in. Uh, that are all like going to be on HBO, but, um, you know, yeah, check out T public and that's, yeah, that's That's what you got. Well, Dan, as you are whisked away to never, never land, I wish you and Tink a good journey. Good journey. Yeah. 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 UTK. Bosco. Lin-Manuel, who am I, who am I, yeah, yeah, call me Rufio, Rufio, never growing up, I'll forever be a lost boy until my body cold, call me Rufio, I hold the sword of gold, I'll be forever making noise until they take the